to the porch. My name is Josiah. If I haven't met you, I hope to meet you at some point. Man, it is good to be back. Let's go, Porch Live. Porch Live Cincinnati, if you're tuning in, which I, I know you are. Porch Live Scottsdale, Houston, Austin, El Paso. Man, Indianapolis and a host of other locations jumping on with us tonight. Welcome. We've been in a series titled Fortune Telling. Words from the past that tell about our future. And over the last few weeks, we've been answering questions Pretty important questions. Uh, Questions like, will I ever truly be forgiven? Will I be alone forever? Some of that's all too true uh, for some of you tonight. Uh, That was was for me too. 31 is when I got married, so there's hope. Uh, Will will I go to heaven when I die? Like that, that was a question we answered. And then last week, JP came up here and he said, hey, who am I going to marry? I mean, if you weren't here last week, you gotta check that out. Tonight, we're pulling up to the last week of the series, and we're going to answer the question, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And so let me start out by uh, asking a question. Uh, Y'all ever fill out a place? Anyone? Anyone ever fill out a place in life? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, about 10. That's good. Uh, (laughs) But but seriously, uh, we don't know each other very well, so I'm going to let you in on my life. I grew up homeschooled. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Oh, we got some homeschoolers in the house. Okay. But, but listen, y'all, come on, let's just be honest. I'm a homeschoolers, man. Like, listen, I was awkward. Like, it was, it was bad. And then I made that transition into public school in my middle school years. And, uh, man, I had girls, like, handing me notes in the hallway, I guess because they like my puka shell necklace or frosted tips. I think we got a picture of it up on the screen. There we go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> hey, haters are going to hate. <laughs> Haters are going to, hey, JD said, uh, man, you just look like a wannabe on One Tree Hill. And I'm like, come on, JD. Man, that, that ain't right. But, but listen, man, I, like they would give me these notes in the hallway, and I'm like, what do I even do with these things? The only girls I went, ever went to school with were my sisters. You know, like that's weird if they would write me notes. That's, I mean, no. And so, and so listen, like that, that, was, that was true for me. I, I just kind of felt out of place. I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And so tonight, you know, that was me. What, what, what about you? You ever felt out of place? Like maybe it was going to your, uh, your, your, um, your girlfriend's house over the holidays, meeting the parents, you know, that one thing. And you, and you had her brother sizing you up. That was me. I, I've got some stories. Maybe you guys, y- y'all going to yoga for the first time with your girlfriend because you're just trying to impress her. And let's just be honest. Like that's just, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing comfortable about that. Okay. But, but you're doing your thing. Or, or maybe some of you, you, you come into the church, you're smelling like smoke or smelling like alcohol, and you're just like, man, I just feel out of place in this thing. And ladies, like, you're like, is my hair okay? Is, are, my, are my clothes churchy enough, you know? And, and, and you just kind of feel out of place. Or maybe you, you, you come into this place and someone says, hey, you want to go to the porch tonight? You're like, yeah. But, 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 but you thought the porch was um, that restaurant and bar in Uptown, and then they brought you here. And you find yourself and you're like, man, they're raising their hands. They're singing these songs. And, and, and they're just, man, they're opening their Bibles. Like, I, got, I see the girls taking notes. Like, they're in a notebook. And I'm like, this is awkward. Like, this is not my place. This is not my crowd. And, and so, here, listen, listen. I, I start there tonight because this is what I know. If you don't know your purpose, then you will inevitably feel out of place. Like, like do you catch that? Like if you don't know your purpose, then you will inevitably feel out of place. 
And tonight, man, many of us, we're driving through this thing called life. We're chasing this job, this salary, this girl, this guy, this drug, this club. And listen, we think it's going to give us purpose, but it only leaves us feeling empty. And we chase after these things that we think are going to give us purpose. And then we just change like, oh, that that didn't really give me purpose. So let me just change the, 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 the pursuit, thinking that that's going to help. And you find yourself in this kind of this treadmill of stupidity, no offense, just trying to keep it real. See, I believe the greatest tragedy is is a person living their life and missing out on their purpose, never stopping once to ask God, why am I created? Like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? And, And so, man, to stand before God and for him to say, hey, yeah, you did all these things, but you missed out on the one thing that was going to give you purpose in all of these things. You wasted them. This is why in the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of wisdom, as many call it, it says that he, God, has planted eternity on the hearts of every man and every woman. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has planted eternity in the heart of every human. And you know this to be true, like deep down, we know this, like we go to bed at night and we ask, hey, what is my purpose? There's got to be something more. Some of you, man, you've achieved your goals or you achieved some of them and you're like, that's it? You're you're like Tom Brady, man. Tom Brady did an interview with 60 Minutes in 2005 after he won his third Super Bowl. And he literally says, quote, this, this is what he says. He says, man, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still believe that there's something greater out there for me? Yeah, gosh, there's got to be something more. And, and this is what I would say. Hey, Tom, if you're watching, which I don't think you are, there is. There's more. Why are you here? What is your purpose in life? And tonight I want to answer that. You ready for this? Like it's real simple. I know you're going to be like, oh, that's churchy. But, but, but it's, it, it couldn't be any more true. Your purpose in life, my purpose in life, is to know Jesus and to make him known. Like that's it. That's where we're headed tonight, to know Jesus and to make him known. And there's a God who's the author of life and he has these purposes for your life and he loves you too much to let you pursue any other purpose in which you were made. This is why your heart is beating tonight. This is why you have oxygen in your lungs. This is why you showed up at the porch tonight. March, I think it's the 9th, 2021, so that you would intersect with this message and it would change your life forever. But you know who needs this message more than anyone? It's me. Because I forget it. I forget this message. And so tonight we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians is towards the end of your Bible. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and then you'll pull up to Philippians. And we're going to look at a guy named Paul who found his purpose in his resume until he met Christ. We're going to be in Philippians 3, starting in verse 3. Here we go. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. And he goes on and says, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. It sounds a little arrogant, just, just, just being honest. Then Paul goes through his resume. 
I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I'm a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. As for righteousness, man, I obeyed the law without fault. Man, I'm, I'm faultless. Here's what that means, because we, we look at that and we're like, man, that's kind of weird language, but let me modernize it for you. Because we read this and we're like, what does this even mean? He says, hey, talk about family. I was born to the noble parents. They got connections everywhere. You talk about education, Baylor, A&M, no, 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 Ivy League, yeah, whoop, whatever. Ivy League, no, 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 Ivy League with honors. You want to talk about power? Man, I have authority over my enemies. I can persecute them. You want to talk about religion? I've never missed a a Sunday. I know more Bible than you have forgotten. You, you, You want to talk about money? You want to talk about status? You want to talk about stuff? I win. You want to talk about respect? Man, I got older guys calling me. He begins to list out his resume. Let me ask you, what are you holding on to to give you purpose? Like, like, like what, what did you come into this place with? What, what are you holding on to to give you purpose? That college athlete, the guy or girl you're dating, that six-figure job, your corner office, the promotion, your body, your good looks, like you're hanging on to those things. Your Instagram followers, what, what are you holding on to to give you purpose tonight? Then he turns everything that he just said about his resume on its head when it comes to finding our purpose. Verse seven, I once thought these things were valuable, like that word circled valuable right there. But now I consider them what? Worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse eight, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There it is. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage. This Greek word for garbage is scrupula. It's where um, we get the word crap. Like just being honest, a four-letter word, crap. Like, like he's saying everything else is, is, is trash compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus. All the stuff that Paul gained in his life, garbage compared to knowing Christ. So what's your purpose? Know Jesus. Point number one, know Jesus. But, but where should I work, Josiah? Should I take this job or that job? I don't know. Wh- which one's going to help you know Jesus and make him known the most? Like some of you, you're, you're, you're pursuing this, the job that you have because you're so caught up with the salary. And, and listen, you're miserable in the purpose. But your end is that salary. And we know that money isn't going to buy Happiness, it's not going to buy purpose. You know that to be the fact. You know that to be the truth. Just look at Hollywood, man. It's the most miserable place in the world. Am I going to get married or stay single? I don't know. Listen to JP's message last week. You'll probably know. (laughs) Just being honest. No, no, no. You should honor him. Like, like you can be married and miss out on your purpose or you can be single and miss out on your purpose. But married or single, if you live to know Jesus and make him known, you're not going to live a life without purpose. Man, that's, that's, that's a promise, money back guaranteed. 
Like nobody's going to get to heaven. I promise you this. Nobody's going to get to heaven and be like, God, what's up with that, man? I was single down here. Like you couldn't even have a guy ask me out. Like what's up with that? Like do you not care? Like in a million years, no one's going to get to heaven and say that. Streets of gold, but I couldn't even, I couldn't even have a family. No one's going to walk up to you and be like, single Susan? Susan, like you never got married? Single Steve? What's up, man? Like, like no, no one's going to do that. Sometimes the English language falls short to define words in, in, in its entirety. Like the word no here in Philippians chapter 3, this word no in the Greek, it, uh, it's described in, in three ways, this word no. Doxa is one way. Doxa is to know something through the grapevine. It's, it's like hearsay. And Paul's not saying, hey, I want to doxa Jesus. I just want to know about Jesus through the grapevine, through someone else's experience. Uh, number two, episteme. Episteme. This is where you know something through book knowledge. Like you just, you read your Bible and you have a few facts or you go to seminary and, and you get filled with some knowledge or, 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 or you, you read some Christian books and you have, a, you, you, you have those facts about Jesus. Paul doesn't use that word here. Paul uses the Greek word gnosis. Gnosis. It means like you, you know through experience. You don't know how something, uh, you don't know how, how good something tastes unless it sinks into your teeth, right? Like the first time I had steak, like amazing. Like I'm not talking about steak from Longhorn, man. No. Or whatever. Ruth Chris. You're like, it's Longhorn. I don't do that. This is Dallas. No. Hey, no, no. Listen, listen. The first time I had steak, my brother-in-law is a farmer. He raises cows. Like he sent me a co- an entire cow. Like that, that was an experience, y'all. Like a party going on in your mouth, right? No, this is what Paul is saying here. Like I want to know Christ through experience. The purpose of my life is to know Christ in a way where I've experienced. I've tasted God. I've tasted Christ. And he's good, y'all. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus? Like not doxa, not, not I, I know uh, Jesus through people, I, I kind of hearsay, not episteme where you know about some books or you read tweet, tweets from a friend that loves Jesus really, really well and it kind of inspires you for the day. But, but do you know Jesus? Gnosis, where you've experienced him. Like your life's been changed because you've experienced him for yourself in a way that your life has been changed. And, 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 and people, man, listen, they, they, they see it. It's tangible. Let me just be honest with you tonight. If you don't know Jesus, man, you're going to spend your life on the endless treadmill pursuing highs and lows, get to 85, and then you're going to end up in the dirt. That's the That's the outcome. That's what Paul's saying tonight. More importantly, it's what the God of the universe, the God of the galaxies, sovereign over everything is saying to you and I tonight. Paul continues in verse 9. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Another question I have for you tonight is, have you received the righteousness that comes from God based on faith? Not based on your good works. This past weekend, um, we, we got a new furnace. AC and furnace guy, heater guy came over to the house. He was doing his final inspection. 
And uh, I mean, he's like that, that guy from New York, like kind of rough and tough. And I'm like kind of sizing him up. Like, oh, you got, okay. I'll talk to you when we get to the driveway. You, you, you seem kind of intimidating. You're like, you kind of intimidate me a little bit. So, so we walked out after he did his final inspection. I just said, hey, Terry. Hey, bro, I got a question for you. Hey, before you go, man, we, we've had some great conversations. Thanks for sharing your story. And that's what I did. I just said, hey, man, what's your story? He began to go into it. And I said, hey, Terry. Hey, do you have a faith? He said, ah, I'm a, I'm a non-practicing Catholic. I'm like, non-practicing? I don't even know what that means, but I didn't, I didn't say that. But I was like, oh, okay. So, so Terry, um, hey, like, I've, been, I've been pondering this question. It's not really unique to you. I ask it to a lot of different people. But if I was to ask you, Terry, who goes to heaven? What would you say? He, he thought about it for a minute, and, and, uh, and he said, th- th- those people that do good works. I said, man, I appreciate your honesty. I thought that way for a long time. And, and uh, at this point, man, I'm like, what do I go in on? Do I, do I, do I say everything? Like, he might, he might get mad. And I'm like, hey, Terry, here, here's, here's, here's a, another question. If, if we get to heaven based on our good works, how do you know if you've done enough good work? He said, oh, man, I never really thought about that. I, I guess you don't. And I said, a second question, Terry, if, if you can get to heaven based on your own works, like what was the point of Jesus dying on the cross? And, and I said, Terry, can I, can I just tell you something, man? Like there's a God in heaven and he loves you. And he looked down on you and me 2,021 years ago because he didn't see fit to leave you and me in our sin. And perfection left heaven and it collided with imperfection. And he went through agony for you, man. He went to the cross. His, his perfection went to the cross and he took on our imperfection. And I said, those nails that were in his hands, man. Hey, Terry, Terry, those nails in his hands were every time your hands and my hands have been to places that they should never have gone. I said, I said those, the, the, the nail on his feet, Terry, I said, it, it's for every time we've taken our feet to places that you never have gone. Hey, the crown of thorns that sits right above your eyes, Terry, or right above Christ's eyes, right? It's for every time you looked at thing, every time I looked at something or I thought of something that I shouldn't have looked at or thought of. The hatred in your heart, the adultery in your heart, the lust that you have towards women, man, I got it too, bro. I said that the, 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 um, the, the way they whipped Jesus, before we went to the cross, at the end of whips for glass and sharp metal objects and nails and they whipped them and, and they pulled out chunks of flesh for every time you and I have turned our back against God. I said, Terry, if you could get to heaven based on your good works, what was the point of Jesus doing all that? There was no point, man. He knew that you couldn't do enough good things to get to him. That's why he had to come down. Do you know that Jesus, Terry? Tonight, do you know that kind of Jesus? Do you know that God tonight who left heaven and went to the cross for you and me? Died a sinner's death. History records and scripture says three days later he rose again from the dead to defeat sin and death. And when you put your faith not in your good works, Terry, or porch tonight, but you put your faith in Christ. He forgives your sin and he changes your heart. And not only your heart, but your entire life. Do you know that God?
Do you know that, God? Listen, I'm, I'm not naive. Like, I, I'm not. To, to, to think that the wrong that you brought into this place, anything that you brought into this place, like, I man, I've probably done too. Like, that's, that's my story. I was playing college baseball and chasing the party and alcohol and women and, and, and pornography. Not proud of it. That's just my life, man. And then I collided with this message that I just shared with you. It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And, 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 and he repurposed me. And, and listen, I didn't find life until I lost my life. Matthew 16, 25 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And you're like, no, man, you're naive, Josiah. No, I'm not, man. Life is found in Christ. I promise you. You're missing out. Like you're stuck in the same routine, expecting different results. Sin's robbing you of creativity. You go back to the bar. You get drunk, and you're hitting repeat on the weekend. Like that's not life. That's quite old, man. It gets, it gets, it gets old. Like waking up to strangers, hugging the toilet, taking that pregnancy. Like come on, you know that. But you keep going back to the same thing, expecting a different result. That was my life until Christ changed it. That's why Paul continues in verse 12. And he says this, I don't mean that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection. I love that. Like some of you come into this place, you know, Christians, they just think they're perfect. And no, well, no, that's the furthest thing but we know the one who is perfect and we're chasing after him. And so Paul says, not that I've already achieved perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, one thing. What's that one thing? I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Life is in Jesus, friends. Like some of you, man, you, you're, you're stuck in your shame and your guilt and condemnation, and it's keeping you down. And, and Christ would say, hey, I died for that thing. Quit re replaying the tapes. Quit, think, quit, quit thinking that that, that that has to keep you from knowing me. That's why I went to the cross. There was a separation. There was a chasm. But I bridged that chasm. And I love you. And if you ever doubt that, man, just look at the cross. If you ever doubt that love, would you be fixated on what Christ did for you on the cross? Listen, I haven't only lived this, man, I've seen it. Like young adults are running after the world. They think they have everything going for them. And then all of a sudden, Christ intersects their life. And they change, he begins to change their purposes. They begin to filter everything they do and how they can know Christ and they can make him known. How, what's going to honor him with my life, with my decisions, with my relationships, with my successes. They begin to really live life. There's a few people I want you to meet tonight. Meet my friend Kat. This is what she says. Apart from Christ, I thought my purpose was to make it. In corporate America, I wanted to use my talents to appear successful before others and chase the highs of life. More specifically, I was chasing materialism, the party scene, and alcohol. But now that Christ has changed my life, I find every part of my identity and purpose in him. The worldly satisfaction of highs I was chasing have been replaced by a loving relationship with God, 
his people and his mission. Meet my friend Kyle. Before Christ, I thought I'd find purpose in being able to provide for myself with a lifestyle that marked comfortability and independence. As a former SMU football player, player and frat guy, I thought Christians were weird, weak, and boring. I wanted to live a comfortable life and call the shots and be the man, but it was exhausting. I pers- my, these pursuits only led to empty wells that always ran dry. Sure, there was temporal highs, but never anything sustaining. The purpose found in knowing God and making him known is one of the greatest blessings I've ever experienced. I surrendered my life to Christ and put his ways above the world's ways and everything began to change. Meet my friend Leslie. I used to live for the approval of other people, but when I did, my heart always ached for something more. I wanted to be thinner, more beautiful, and more loved. I thought that Miss Texas, that crown would give me status and purpose, but God helped me see that the only thing I needed to find joy in and affirmation and value in was an abiding relationship with him. Now that I'm a daughter of the king, I've received a gift of grace and it's so much more beautiful and eternally valuable than I could ever imagine. My purpose shifted from glorifying myself to glorifying the one who matters. I spent my time starving myself before photo shoots but now I have purpose in serving Christ. I get to do that every week at the porch. Meet my friend Joe. Before Christ, I was marked by two fleeting purposes. The first, career success. If I just had a good job, increasing levels of control and power and, of course, more money. The second purpose, to have a lot of friends. I wanted to be so liked. I wanted to be seen. I want to be known. That's the biggest reason why I identified as bisexual for almost six years. I didn't want anything to prohibit me from, poten- from, from people potentially liking me or showing me affection. My life mantra was to work hard, play harder, play with as many friends as possible, and my purpose is fed into that perfectly. But then Christ redefined my purpose to know him and to make him known, to share the good news of God's grace through Jesus by serving others and putting their needs above my own. Listen, friends, those are real people with real problems, but they have a real purpose. Like those people are here tonight, they serve week in and week out, this gathering that we call the porch. And listen, there'll be a team of people and myself, these people that you just heard their stories right here after service. And if you don't believe it, man, come and talk to them. And they can share way more than I ever did. And now for you, let me ask you, fill in the blank. My name is blank. My problem is blank. And my purpose is blank. And tonight, if you don't know the answer to that purpose, then tonight, come listen, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Like, listen, I don't get paid anymore if you come to Christ. Like, I'm asking you tonight, would you consider Christ? Would you consider knowing him and making him known? Once you know Jesus and you have no choice than to make him known, which is point number two, make Jesus known. The same guy in Philippians 3, Paul, he goes on and says in Acts 20, 24, it's my life verse. I mean, call it cheesy, whatever you want, but this is what, this is what Paul says. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me. 
what? Like, that's crazy. Every time I read that, nothing, Paul? Like, what do you mean your life is worth nothing to me? Look at what he says. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for what? Finishing the work assigned to me by my Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about what? His wonderful grace. His wonderful grace. You are made. You were You were born to know him and to make him known through your job. You're born to make him known through your apartment complex. You make him known through your relationships. And because of my position here at the staff, like, listen, I get a front row seat to watch Christ intersect the lives of young adults here in Dallas, not just here in Dallas, all over the nation, in Houston, in rural Ballatin, Minnesota, in Philadelphia, in Scottsdale, in Indianapolis. I see you. Come on. And God is using young adults all over the world to be mobilized, to be equipped to share this message. It's like God gives young adults a key. And and, and that key is their testimony, their story of grace, how he's repurposed them. And that key is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And these young adults begin to live life and they begin to live on mission. And they they go and they look at other people and they interact with other people that are sitting in the same prisons that they used to sit in. And they take that key, their testimony in the gospel, and they begin to unlock those prisons that they used to sit in. Like it's crazy, y'all. Like that is life, that is incredible. There's nothing on the face of the planet that can change a human heart than Christ. And we're seeing God move all over the nation and world. And listen, if you're longing to be a part of something bigger than yourself, something that's changing the world, let's go. Listen, Satan, man, he's real. Like his MO is to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking those he can devour. And listen, some of you are being devoured tonight. Let me just be real. Like I was, thinking that I found life, but I didn't. And his, his entire goal is, is for you to make those things that really aren't important, make those things really, really important in your life. And those things that are really, really important to make those things seem not very important. That's his game plan. He's switching price tags tonight. The things of infinite value, the things of eternal worth, he tries to make them worthless in your eyes. And the things of Dallas, he tries to make those things appeal to your heart so that you would invest your time, your talents, and your treasures in those things. God is building a kingdom and he's inviting us to play a part of the kingdom. And he's going to feature this, this work for all of eternity. Like, like, but you must stay in a relationship with Christ. You must know him. You can do that through getting in his word. You can do that through community. What we call here is, is small groups of men and women that have changed their playground and their playmates. And they're all in. You can do that through serving. You can leave this place and go up to next first, or not next steps, first steps. <laughs> And listen, you've been making excuses week in and week out saying, I'm not going there. You can come right here in front of the stage. I'll stay up here as long as you want. And we can talk. But he's using people just like you to change the world. But some of us are saying to God, hey, God, thanks for making me, but I'll live life the way I want to do it. And let me tell you, if you live for the world, we will die without ever doing what we were created to do. And we will forfeit an opportunity to be a part of the eternal kingdom. And some of us, man, we're living that right now. You think all you are is an account manager. All you are is a barista. All you are is 
is uh, a, a marketing person. All you are as a nurse, all you all, all you are is a teacher. And God's saying, no, that's not all you are. I created you to build a kingdom in a foreign land, and I put you on mission, and you have the opportunity tonight to not get so caught up in the world and forsake that mission, but you have an opportunity to do what I've called you to do. And listen, everyone you share Christ with, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see them in eternity, and they're going to be thankful. And everyone you share Christ with that's not in heaven, they're going to be thankful that you did. So what are you living for tonight? What's your purpose? Why are you created? Do you know Jesus? Are you living to make him known? Paul, his mantra, the first chapter of the book of Philippians that we've studied tonight, the crux of the entire message is this. He says it in verse 21 of Philippians 1. It's a coffee cup verse. It's people get it tattooed on their body. Man, it, you, you see it on T-shirts. But this is what Paul says. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You, you know what he's saying there? You know what he's saying? He, he's saying, hey, if Christ is your purpose, then death is your promotion. Like when did we think that heaven wasn't enough? Like, like, when do we think that, man, I think some of us, man, we, we think that heaven is just kind of this ethereal, this, this just kind of in the sky somewhere. But, but, but the Bible's very clear. It's a new heavens and a new earth. Can you imagine a place without any pain, without any heartbreak? Like, study the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world. It was a perfect place. It was a material place. Can you imagine a, a place without murder, a place without strife, a place without anxiety and fear? That's what our hearts long for. And God's saying, hey, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth that I'm going to usher in. And the former things have passed away. And God says, hey, I'm going to make all things new. And it's going to be a place of perfection forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And as we close, I want you to think of your life like this ladder. This, this ladder, like if this, if this um, ladder represents your life, then the rungs on this ladder, the steps on this ladder, it represents the decades of your life. And, and you know what's tragic is when you meet someone in their 70s or 80s, I talk to them all the time, and, and they climb the ladder of success and the ladder of relationships and the ladder of health and they get to the top of that ladder only to realize, man, those things were important but they just weren't ultimate. Like they missed their purpose in those things. And so some of us tonight, like we come into this place and we're in our 20s and, and we're like, man, I, I graduated from college and man, I'm gonna go to grad school and, and, uh, and then, man, I'm gonna land that job. You know, that job that's gonna pay me six figures. Like I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna get that corner office. Like, like, like I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get that promotion and you're in your 20s or you're nearing your, 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 the end of your 20s and you're still single, like, like you're still single and the shot clock of getting married, you feel like it's ticking. And so you get into your 30s, you go from your 20s to your 30s, you're like, man, my, my important endeavor, my, my, the, the most important thing is that I find a spouse, that, that I find somebody. And you, I mean, listen, you, you kind of did this thing your entire life. It was relationships. Like you pursued popularity and then you got to college and you did the whole Greek life, that sorority and that fraternity. 
And now that you're single, it's like, man, I'm going to pursue relationships. That's what's going to happen. And then, man, you, not, not only that, you, you're in your 20s or, or into your 20s and your 30s, and you're like, I'm going to pursue a woman or, or I'm going to pursue a guy so that I can get that family. So in my 30s, like I start having kids and man, that, you know, I, I want that perfect family, the one, you know, that, that the kids are matching and, and you take pictures and everyone's kind of is envious and jealous of your kids. And then you get to like, I don't know, into your 30s and you're like, man, I'm going to start that company, you know, that company that you always wanted to start. And you're like, this is my, man, this is the decade, y'all. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, I'm, man, I'm going I'm to land that, that, that company. Like it's going to happen. Like, yeah, I'm getting it off the ground. Hell and high water, it's going to happen. Come on. And, and you're like, man, I got to pursue health in the middle of all this. And so I'm going to do that CrossFit. I'm going to do that cycle bar. You know, I'm going to eat kale and spinach and, and those shakes, but not the ones that have sugar in it. Like, I'm going all out. Come on. And, and you just start pursuing all these different things. And, and you get to the top of the ladder, you get to the top of, of the life and, 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 you, and you made it, man. Like, like you, you landed the company. Like, like you got it off the ground, it's successful, it's making money. Like you, you got the spouse, like you got the wife, you got, you, you got the husband, you got the kids that you always wanted. And so you're at the top of this ladder. Some of you are making you nervous. But, but listen, you're at the top of the ladder right here. And you look down at the ladder, you look down at all the successes and, and the relationships that you pursued and your health that you pursued. And, and listen, man, those things aren't bad in themselves. They're, they're actually really good things. But for some reason, you made them God things. Like they became an idol in your life. And you missed out on the one purpose that God said, hey, as you pursue these other things, would you know me and would you make me known? And so you look down and you're like, man, I, I, haven't, I haven't known Christ any more than I did. When I, when I walked the aisle and I said the sinner's prayer and I, that, that thing that happened at church camp, right? I, I surely ain't making them known in these endeavors. And so you, you get down from the ladder of your life and, and you just begin to replay the tape and, and you thought the things that you were pursuing we're going to give you the purpose, but they don't. <laughs> and, and, and listen, you, you, you look down at the ladder and you see a life that, sure, man, you, you accomplished some things, but, but it's a life that's, quite frankly, wasted. And, and here's what I've learned to be true. As I've sought to know Christ with my life and to make him known, Continue to have faithfulness over the, 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 the rungs of the ladder that represents the decades of my life. Then one day I'm going to get to the top of that ladder, the top of my life, and I'm going to realize, like, man, I pursued these things, but I had Christ in its proper place, and he began to give meaning and purpose and all these things, and God used my time, God used my achievements, God used my relationships, God used even my health to know him and to make him known. And, and some of you, the, the, the tragedy is this, you, you don't believe me. You're like, man, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Well, here's what I want you to do, man. When you get to 50 or 60, I want you to call me. Like, I want you to email me because I don't think you're gonna, I, I don't think you're right. 
Like I've, I've talked to the 50-year-olds. I've talked to 60s. I've talked to 70s. I've talked to people on their deathbed. I promise that whatever you're doing, CEO or working at a coffee shop, if you pair them with the ultimate thing, which is knowing Jesus and making him known, listen, if you don't believe me, then come find the names that I read earlier. If you think your purpose is found in beauty, come find Leslie. If you think your purpose is found in corporate America, come find Kat. If you think your purpose is found in sports and making money, come find Kyle. If you think your purpose is found in, listen, listen, Climbing this or climbing that, control and power or sexuality, come find my buddy Joe. We, we want to talk to you. Like some of you tonight, like you're going to walk out of this place and you have the chance to live and learn, which that, that's, a, that's where life gets you, gives you a whooping. Or you have the chance to learn and then live. Not because of what I said tonight, but because of what the words from the past that tell about your future. So if your life is a ladder and every rung is a decade, how are you going to spend your life? Like we're wrapping up this series tonight, fortune telling. And if you will spend your future knowing Jesus and making him known, then watch what he will do with your obedience. I promise you, man, no one's ever got to the end of their life and pursued those two things and regretted it. It's never happened and it's never will. And it never will. Let me pray that it would tonight. Father God, let me pray (laughs) that you would arrest our hearts, that you would remind me in this moment that if this message wasn't for anyone else, God, it's for me. I needed it. God, that you would have your way. God, that you would do a work that only you can do. That you would help us to realize that in the midst of all the endeavors that we could pursue, help us to remember that you're the inventor of all those endeavors. And when we put you in your proper place to make you known and to know you, we will live a life of purpose. And so whatever we find ourselves doing tonight, whether we're a janitor, whether we own a business, whether we're flipping burgers, or we're a doctor, a lawyer, whatever prestigious occupation that's in your mind right now, God, would you have your way in our hearts And will you put our lives on a path of purpose for your glory, our joy, and the world's good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.